Hello, friends. Welcome to the Focus to Evolve podcast, where we uncover modalities, habits, and technologies that enable people, teams, and organizations to break the unhealthy trance of busyness and evolve into a calm, deliberate, and healthy way of accomplishing far more in less time. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the studio. Today, uh, we had a special situation happen where our technical, uh, let's let's put it this way, our computers weren't quite cooperating. So I'm introducing separate from the actual interview, and then we will cut right on over there. But today is one amazing guest, uh, Ben Suarez. I call him Ben Follow the Call Suarez. And you'll hear why here in a minute. He is a fascinating human. And if you stick out the whole interview, you'll know why. (laughs) Never met a human like this before. In fact, I didn't even know they existed until I met him. Uh, Really and truly a a living legend of following the call and the example of it. And, you know, whether we're talking about our life as fathers, uh, sisters, daughters, uh, corporate workers, uh, entrepreneurs, whatever your role in life is, you will definitely be able to extract some wisdom from this gentleman today. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and transition into the uh, point in the interview where uh, we were able to kick in from a technical standpoint. In this big cosmos, we don't have the hardware to know what should be. <laughs> we just don't. We need to just be witnessing and intending and do the best with what we have, uh, but then letting it go and letting it flow. And that's where the theme of this particular episode uh, comes in is, you know, it is about following the call. And you are so interesting and so amazing at following the call. But there's a step before following the call, and it's hearing the call or sensing the call, then being able to have the courage to follow it. So I'm super curious, what do you do uh, to hear the call first? Like, what do you think the world needs to maybe breathe into and feel out a little bit as far as uh, being able to hear the call? And we'll, we'll get into what's this call thing they're talking about, <laughs> But hearing this intuition, this gut, or whatever it is. So define what the call means to you and how to hear it and then how to follow it. Let's just kind of open it up a little bit to the subject. This is an incredible topic. And I guess I could start at the end and say that when I'm not listening and taking action to align myself with the call, then I feel like I'm walking dead while I'm still breathing. Uh, it's not an option. Uh, at some point I decided, uh, actually in Barcelona, uh, I woke up when I was 20 years old in the bushes, um, covered in mud and dried tears from having a a serious wake up call. And, uh, at some point I had to make a choice. I'm either going to decide that life is too difficult. Uh, that life is only about suffering and totally give up or turn my life around 180 degrees and go live every single possible dream that excites my heart, my soul, that I feel like vibrating and alive, even thinking about and go do every single one of them. Uh, Otherwise, um, I wouldn't have an avenue or the tools to be able to transform hard times into something beautiful. So if you're called the luckiest person in the world or the unluckiest person in the world, so much of it is not about the actual experience that happens to you. It's about the perception that you take in to what it is that you are blessed or cursed to experience. And it might be the same exact experience, but it's how we choose to move into it with our perception and our choice. So, To hear the call, there's a call that I feel, that I hear, that says life can be what I choose for it to be. And I choose for it to be full of love and like glowing, beautiful flowers, amazing souls that want to share the depth of their experience with us and with the world. Uh, that there are paradises everywhere we go, even 
in a dirty street full of trash, you can find such beauty and compositions. Um, so the call is to really hear the empowerment of choice and that choice is presented to us in every moment. Do we choose to live or do we choose to be victims of our surroundings uh, and allow other people or other elements and variables to make those choices for us? So we could start there. Wow. Okay. Yeah. What a start. I have so, I have these fract, this fractal number of threads I'd like to open from that. Thank you for that amazing opening. And I want to start with this, not following your call, whoever you are, whatever you do, not following your call is like walking dead. And I know everyone who ever hears this knows what you mean there. And some of us, whether it be all the time, some of the time, or even little bits of time, are still doing it. You know, we've got responsibilities, and we do have to do some things that are definitely not of our call. Um, but I, I think it's like a, a having that awareness of like vibrantly living, or do I start listening to this inner voice, this thing that might be calling me to, to uh, you know, observe more beauty, just choose to observe beauty, choose to appreciate what we have or not, Can, you know, where are we going to place, where are we going to plop our awareness on the thing we wish we had, on the thing that happened two weeks ago, and just keep looping it? That's just awareness selection. Or are we going to choose, man, this office I'm sitting in right now, it's kind of, you know, if I'm in a corporate setting and it's kind of gray and you'll find beauty in it. Like Ben does, you know, he said, Ben, when you woke up in uh, Barcelona, mud, tears, tough times, we're going to get into your background a little bit because it's just fascinating. Um, but you were in a proverbial gray office that was not lighting you up right there. And you decided right there, I'm going to slap my awareness somewhere else right now. And that lit you up. That made you alive. And you said, I'm never going back. And you really have not gone back. I'm sure you have tough times. You're still human. But you're always like in that. I guess we're always moment by moment in that Barcelona moment. Mud and tears on our face. Woke up on the street and decided, I'm going to place my awareness elsewhere today. So did I kind of reflect that back accurately? And if not, where would you kind of adjust me? I appreciate that reflection. I would say that being in the office, maybe doing what we don't want to do is a choice, not in the fit, not only in the physical action, but also in the psychological choice that we make as being in that office, doing what we don't want to do actually could very much be listening to the calling because the next breath you might be, this is exactly where I need to be. And tomorrow I'm going to be somewhere else. And listening to the calling and what is the calling for me is about either not listening and being numb or listening and noticing the vibrancy and the aliveness of our senses really awaken to everything around us. And I'm listening when I actually can smell something, hear something, see something, touch something, breathe something, be something. And so it's not about turning a blind eye and acting like there's no negativity or hardship or pain or suffering in the world. It's what do we want to choose to see? How do we want to shift what it is that we see? What do we feel and touch and smell into a stepping stone? And so an example of that would be, uh, I work in war zones, uh, refugee camps, disaster zones, places where it's very obvious that there is some very hard stuff happening in the world. And that often is a reflection of some of the paradoxes inside of each one of us that we need to bridge at some point if we choose to. Uh, that allows us actually to harmonize all those different voices into a cohesive and efficient movement in the direction that we choose. So an example would be 
In 2013-14, I was in Goma, Democratic Republic of Congo, sharing the power of expressive arts and mural painting with children that have survived the war in so many different forms, from being a child soldier, survivor of uh, sex trafficking, uh, children orphans that ran over a lot of dead bodies. And so we're not talking like, wow, we're just up in the clouds and avoiding to actually look at what really exists in the world right now. But to see that in that moment, working with these youth at the beginning, they could not even imagine that the color red could represent love. Uh, for them, it was rape, rockets, volcanic eruption, massacre, genocide. Uh, but for red to be love, that that's something that they hadn't imagined or thought of. After two months, I asked them the question, could red mean love? And they said, yes. And I didn't want them to say yes just because I suggested it two months ago. I asked them, why could red mean love? And they said, because we can choose what red means to us. And I said, yes, they understood that they have the power to choose their relationship with the external inputs, with the symbols, with the triggers, with uh, their relationship with the world. So during that, during that journey with these uh, beautiful Congolese children, I realized that there was a calling coming up and it was getting more and more powerful and louder and louder and starting to glow more and more that I needed to go down the Congo river and that I needed to uh, journey that same route that Joseph Conrad did from the heart of darkness in the 1890s. And with the little influence that I might be able to have by the choices and how they ripple outward and how all the people that I would come in contact with along the river would ripple into my life and teach me so much that in that symbiotic journey, I thought maybe we can shift the narrative a little bit from the heart of darkness to the heart of resilience by the choice of perception. So eight years passed where amazing projects in different countries and right here in the United States, amazing interactions and lessons and people moving in and out of our lives. All these incredible experiences happened within those eight years while I was trying to set up that project. But the project hadn't happened yet. And every year that passed, I actually felt my dream and my actions separating a little bit. And I felt the power to manifest, a like diffuse a little bit. And I was starting to realize that so much of the power that we have in our fingertips comes from aligning our dreams with our actions, manifesting our dreams into this reality. And so after eight years, COVID hit, uh, the private airports were shut down, the IT companies shut down in their offices. So many examples of places that were vacant that uh, my wife and I, uh, Amanda Azarine DeLuca, who's an awesome Canadian painter, we were able to utilize those empty spaces to paint large-scale murals in private airports with DC-3s behind us on lifts, listening to music, dancing, and making the money ourselves to fly during COVID back to Congo and a lot of other amazing you know, African countries from Rwanda, painting with amazing local artists on the National Art Museum of Rwanda and in Zanzibar, Tanzania, and, and these incredible places. And we just, wow, we followed the calling. We got to Tanzania before Congo because for Amanda's birthday, I asked her to close her eyes and spun the globe. Her finger landed on Tanzania, and that was the place we needed to go. So we made that happen, and magic happened along the way. Anyways, we got to the Congo, and just before we're flying into Kisangani, where the navigational part of the Congo River with the steamboat starts, we got a call from somebody inside that said, there's about to be a rebel attack 
on this village is the wrong time for you to go. And I listened to the calling and I looked at Amanda and I said, hey, I can get you back to the capital of Rwanda safely, living with a really amazing friend that's a guide for mountain gorillas. It's your choice, but it's got to be your calling. Not because I'm going, you're calling. And she said, I'm going. And we flew into Kisangani and we started that trip. And everything around us conspired to facilitate a safe journey, being able to collaborate with local artists and amazing villages throughout the entire Congo River that we could only find on a map that was hand-drawn in the 1940s that the boat, you know, captain still was navigating the river with. And there's so much to that journey, but I just wanted to use that, is that the moment that I aligned what I knew I had to do with the physical steps that I was taking, I knew we were making it out of that trip. And I knew that we were going to be deeply touched by the people we came in contact with. And if it was meant to be, uh, they were going to be inspired by what we bring as well. It's a challenge to, to converse with you sometimes because the number of things I want to double click into but this, this concept of just pause, listen to your senses. What am I feeling? What am I seeing? What am I hearing? What am I smelling? What am I, all of it. And then, you know, that, that pause, you're doing that pause as a trait. Some people, like myself, I need to practice it and almost get into that state until I've practiced enough where it becomes a trait of mine. But that, that aliveness that will happen. If you just do that, you'll start hearing, you will know which direction to go in. And I remember hearing that, you know, you take one, one step in the direction that the calling is or the cosmos, God, whatever wants you to go in, it will take two steps towards you. And the fact that you, you two both survived that. And you told me a little more of that story. I don't remember where we were somewhere out in the world. And you had mentioned that, uh, you were, like a day, like there was a machete slaughter or a, an actual legitimate slaughter happened in the village you were like seven miles away or something. And you just missed it by a, an inch. Um, and now you're alive. And so you're out there doing this and surviving it. Congo, going going on uncharted areas of the Congo. And other, and I'll just share with the audience too. I mean, you've shared so much with me. I mean, there was that that time you were facing the Black Panther in the middle of the night. I think that was in the Amazon or somewhere. The Jaguar. Jaguar. That, oh, yeah. And, and by the way, never mind, there may or may not have been clothes involved in that. And it was nighttime. And that thing, you were in its domain and you should be dead again. But you were out there doing this, uh, living in caves with gypsies. Uh, where was that? I thought that was a fascinating thing. I, how did the call take you to that? Just for anecdotal interestingness on the podcast today, how did you end up living in caves with gypsies? What call were you following that landed you there? In 2003, I was hitchhiking through Central America, and I ended up on this really incredible beach called Mazunte in the Oaxaca district of Mexico when I reached North America. And I met these two Italians that were living in their hammock on the beach, just enjoying every sunset. And they told me about these caves with where the Roma, uh, the Spanish Roma and the Eastern European Roma live in these caves along with some really interesting nomadic souls from all over the world. Uh, and I logged that in the back, you know, and I knew that I was going to get there and I was going to go check it out. I wanted to feel and I wanted to sense sleeping and living inside the womb of mother nature. And then coupled and, uh, adding to that attraction is the flamenco and, La musica tan increíble en el sur de España que, 
qué romántico, cómo tan increíble que tenemos ese poder en nuestros dedos para llevar el espíritu and to be in the presence of people that found a unique, powerful, really, truly sensational way to express their creativity and their journey. I was called to witness the magnificence of humanity in so many different ways around the world to remember how wonderful and grateful I am that we get to be born with breath and have these human experience and so many endless choices. Wow, what choice are you making? I want to know about that. What, what choice did you make? Wow, I can't wait to hear you express that through your artistic or creative voice. And so a couple years later, after going with Luc Renault to uh, help him record a song with the children that survived the Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans, and after being there and making an effort to show up for my family in a time of need, I got on a plane, I flew over there, and uh, it was the best decision that I could make. For 11 months living in the caves, uh, walking down the mountain 45 minutes, recycling food in the garbage can with the Roma, and finding so much incredible food in front of these markets that were just going to rot in a trash can, and, uh, and fire dancing in the streets to make money, to fly back and forth to Bosnia making a documentary film about the youth spray painting over bombed buildings and skateboarding and rock and roll to find something familiar to listen to their calling to not be stuck within the very intense PTSD of their experiences in the war. So how do we listen to our calling and enhance our quality of life and share that walking parallel with others making a choice to follow their calling yeah and i'm almost hearing like a meta a meta level you could almost say hearing your call and following your call if you were to distill that down it's it's actually almost translating from everything i'm hearing you say it's almost translating to recognize beauty that's right here right now and the rest will pull you you will be swum i've been using that one a lot lately you don't need to swim all you need to do is just be swum and you do that by just recognizing all the beauty that is around and there are other things you could focus on that aren't maybe so beautiful by classic definition but there are a lot of things trillions of things it's fractal in any given moment that are amazing and beautiful and that's, I see you doing that. That's why every time we cross paths anywhere, wherever it is, it, it's clear on you and you, you vibrate that. And that, that is your atmosphere, so to speak. Um, you know, I, I was our dear friend, uh, Craig Lucas, uh, having a good session with him the other day. And he had mentioned this 1440, this place out in the redwoods. And, uh, you know, we were talking about some of the things that that place represents, and all of a sudden, your name comes up. Turns out you you did a mural out there, <laughs> and it's just amazing how interwoven things get. Like you said, when when you start walking the path and start paying attention to people who are recognizing beauty and seeking it and seeking truth, all of a sudden you see all these connected threads everywhere. I mean, what are the odds of that? Me talking with Craig. Craig visiting a place out in the Redwoods in California, and, and there's Ben's work. <laughs> and it all just came together at that dinner. It's like, high five, man. This is awesome. You know, those are, those are little trail angel droppings. Just keep Ooh. following them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really neat. Let me ask you, how do you reset? Because you're still human. How do you, when, you, when you fall asleep, so to speak, when you fall into start, you know, something's chewing away at you. I know a lot of people listen to this podcast and the working day, just in life, things get to us. How do you personally reset? What are some of your go-to levers that you do to recenter and, and get back on the trail of, of hearing the call and following the call, recognizing that beauty? That's a great question. Well, there's some external activities that I would do that would remind me. At some points, I would 
feel, wow, I need to reset. I need to jump on my motorcycle and I need to rip through South America to the beaches with penguins uh, with no phone for two months by myself, going to every waterfall that I possibly could find throughout South America, through Brazil and Uruguay and Paraguay and Argentina, Chile, and just roar in waterfalls and allow just <clears throat> and allow the, the freezing water to just magnetize things that are not serving me and start alchemizing them uh, with my surroundings. Not everybody has the opportunity to disappear from the world on two months on a motorcycle in South America. So something that really helps me deeply is remembering to take off my shoes and go walk in mud or feel the grass on my toes and any kind of activity like touch a tree stop and allow my hair to feel the wind blowing through it just stop the mind and be present with wherever surroundings that we are in if there's just amazing ruckus inside the mind and outside at times how does that turn into a rhythmic song where it could just be clutter and noise and pollution. How do we, how do we actually find a, a pattern or even a chaos that can be beautiful and then ride it? And the moment you just catch one sense, one breath of the moment, then you start feeding that and then it starts glowing. It's like if you're looking up at the night sky and the moon, it's just small little, you know, dots It's you know, not so big. And then the moment you start opening your perception to the beauty, you literally can visually watch the expansion of the light from the moon spread across the entire sky. And it's the same moon, but you are just seeing a little bit of the light, and then you're choosing to see all of the expansion of that that beautiful ball in the sky yeah so it's, it really is uh, hitting that first chord and luke and i had a conversation on this podcast and he was talking about just hitting that first chord and watch what happens after like the genuine chord the non-fear based the love based chord and watch the vibration that happens just let it unfold from there. Kind of, it's just like that courage to to do it first, to to be the one that says, "I'm just going to look at beauty in this situation." And by the way, beauty doesn't mean ease or comfort. In fact, it it's like sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. You swimming in ice cold rivers and things, or, or taking a dip in the Amazon River. I mean, that's that's it's beautiful, but you know, it's got a it's got a dark side too. That the God is the gamut. <laughs> the cosmos is all of it. The the things that comfy, cushy humans would say uh, are comfortable and, of course, the opposite as well. Um, so, man, you've been literally to every corner of Earth. You've danced with high society. You've you practiced living without money. I remember that story in Paris. Uh, where you guys literally wanted to live without money to practice that for months. Like you, you literally survived just to see what it would be like and live in the Western culture without any money. And you did it. Um, you, you'll sit, you'll teach, you'll dance, you'll sing, you'll do art with Fortune 100 CEOs. <laughs> like you, your gamut is just so vast. Like you have so much to teach. And on the pregame here, while we're trying to figure out those technical difficulties, you'd said a buddy of yours just suggested that you write a book about following the call. Man, I promise you, if there's a human that walks the earth who's qualified, <laughs> that's you. I sure hope you do this, man. I really do, whatever that might look like. We'll be right back after this brief message. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called 
Can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Welcome back to the Focus to Evolve podcast. You're living in Quebec, right? Yes. That's where you yes. actually home. Uh, I was thinking about you the other day. I saw uh, there's a cabin. You got to go to Quebec and then you take a train or something five hours straight north to this. It's this beautiful cabin. It has all glass walls and packs of wolves go by day and night. And you just get to sit. There was this video of this baby up against one and this huge alpha wolf came up and just stared at it like three inches away. Just glass. And all day and night, you get to watch this. So I have yet more reason to get on up there, check Quebec out, and then go on up there too. So I wanted to bring that up while we were on the call today. That sounds like the call. That, sound, that sounds like <laughs> that, the call right there. I mean, I, I feel the tingle. I, I feel tingle. the tingle. Yeah. I wanted to add one thing about, uh, about the beauty and how the beauty is sometimes in the darkest places. And it's so beautiful because the candle glows brightest in the darkest of nights. And so walking down this volcanic rock road and feeling the presence of death and feeling some of the people who had been involved in killing right there, I actually felt really uncomfortable. I felt this kind of fear come up. And actually, I decided that there, I had found every single route to get from where I was staying to the orphanage that I was working at, through every alley, because everything felt good and peaceful. But the moment the mobs gather, people die. So I needed to know every single escape route possible. But this one route went by this brick factory that bricks were being made by hands. And I could feel such intense heaviness coming from the eyes of the workers looking back at me. And so I chose to walk almost every day for two, two months on that path to confront this fear that I had inside because I didn't want to leave not confronting it. Because when else would I be able to genuinely confront that? There may be another opportunity, definitely not there. Let's see what's gonna happen. So on one of my last days, I had my knife in my pocket, I had my flute in my backpack, and I ended up walking by there and stopping. And seven gigantic, huge men, much bigger than me, stop building bricks and just stand up and look at me. And I say, okay, here's, here's a choice. I know what's going to happen if I pull out the knife. Somebody's going to get hurt. It could be me. It doesn't matter, but it's not necessary. Somebody's going to get hurt. I know what could happen if I go down that route. I don't know what's going to happen if I choose to pull my flute out instead. And so I pull out my flute, close my eyes, and just play something from my soul, like listen to what the flute wanted to say. And when I open my eyes, these men are just boom in my face all around me. And I'm like, whoa, okay, what's going to happen here? And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, one of the biggest gentlemen throws his arm around my shoulder and says, selfie, selfie, selfie. And I was like, oh my gosh, for two months, I was actually feeding that negative like vibration between all of us. And the moment I made a choice to shift 
all of a sudden they were so ready to come and just hang out. And, and that reminds me. Is that, I mean, is that what we're doing every moment of our life? Are we in that exact proverbial moment every second? Like, do we not have a choice to pull out a knife or a flute every second? Like every threat, every potential threat, every loop in our brains, uh, things don't have inherent meaning. We give it meaning. Events don't have inherent meaning. We give them meaning. And so if we are giving them meaning, I guess pause and find that space and say, am I going to automatically assign meaning or am I going to consciously assign meaning? And, and, and in the consciousness of assigning meaning to a nasty meeting you had with a customer or a boss or a person in your life or whatever out there in the world, are you going to look for beauty or, or, or not? Are you going to look at the flute or are you going to go to the knife? We're always carrying a bucket of gas or water, aren't we? Are we going to throw gas or are we going to throw water? And that is just a brilliant story that you lived through that every person who ever listens to this at any time can just be like, yeah, flute or knife, flute or knife. So thanks for sharing that. That is just so valuable. Hey, uh, Ben, let me ask you. You've recently had, you and a man have had a new baby. And we know, I, I, I've got two kids. They're not little anymore. In fact, now I'm actually a grandpa. I don't know if you knew that. Congratulations. <laughs> wow, that's big time. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, brother. Uh, yeah, super exciting. Man, it's, it's amazing. But I'm, I'm reminded of the innocence and the amazingness and the beauty of a, a new little baby. So I would love to ask you, because you're so open and aware of of this stuff and you're so conscious with it. Uh, what have you learned? And the baby's, uh, we don't have to say the baby's name. You're welcome to, if you want. Uh, it's, but what have you learned from being with this baby as, as in these early days, weeks, months, years, I'd love to know what you're learning from a baby. We call her Azzy bear. <laughs> and I'm so glad that you brought that up because this is, a chapter that I've been dreaming of and praying for and putting energy and meditation into for a long time. And wow, what a beautiful, here it is again, beautiful experience. And I'm so glad that you brought it up because a word, the vibration of the word, the depth of the word, she embodies this word curiosity the curiosity of looking at something for the very first time tasting something for the very first time feeling alive literally for the very first time and to witness this experience of being so fascinated like what does cardboard taste like <laughs> what does anything look like, feel like, you know, sound like, oh, wow. You know, that, that bean bag has rhythm every time you sit on it. Uh, so the curiosity and the, the unconditional choice to live, she has been, uh, wow, my, my greatest teacher already. And to remember that even if I walk by that tree a thousand times, every time I walk by it, it's a brand new tree. What does that tree choose to be in that very moment of interacting? So it's so easy to, because there's so much sensory input, more and more so every day, to categorize or go numb about something that just seems obvious. And I get to watch her be fascinated with the curiosity of everything. I mean, in, in, in a relationship, if you can wake up every single morning and look at your partner and say, who do you choose to be today? And with a curiosity, instead of saying, oh, I already know that person. Or let's say you go on like a month trip that changes your life. But everybody that you know back at home, 
it was just another month in whatever numbness that they may or may not be living in. And so for them to be able to look at you, who are you now after one month that could have been 10 years of transformation? Or are you going to be seen for who you were one month ago, which was an entire lifetime for you? And maybe five breaths for the person that was living in a state of numbness. So can we be curious? Can we honor others with the curiosity of who do you choose to be and honor all of our surroundings and ultimately enhance exponentially the quality of our own lives by living with curiosity and genuine connection with our emotions? Yeah. So I'm so excited that the wisdom of Ozzy got to flow through you and, and echo out to whoever might hear this. And, and that's applicable to every thing that a human can witness, experience, or go through. I don't care if it's, we're talking about corporate warriors, entrepreneurs, artists, that's humaning. And Ozzy's message is unapologetic beauty observation, curiosity observation, like awe, like get into the awe, <laughs> A-W-E, like remember play, remember awe, uh, w- like unconditional wonder, like all these things mm. that we all can do now <laughs> and now and now and now. And I get it. It's hard when it's thick, when it's nasty, when things hit you and it hurts. Pain's real. Suffering, that, that's a little bit, that involves some human intervention to get, to keep the suffering rolling. That's looping. That's mental. Pain is real. Suffering doesn't necessarily have to be. And Ozzy's lesson is the quickest path out. It's just like, breathe. Come on back to right here and now, you know, do a little Ram Das action. <laughs> and don't be afraid to choose what you want. And, and she knows what she wants. When she tastes something new that she's not sure about it. And then all of a sudden, all of the beautiful, like, you know, lights just go on and like, Oh, wow, that tastes amazing. I want more. Give me more, you know, and not apologize for following what genuinely attracts you, what your highest being is attracted to. And so often we get these conversations, Jason, and the, let's say, the lower self or maybe the self that can um, be saying, oh, like uh, immediate gratification or, you know, I need this now or the higher self that's like, you know what, if I feed my soul with the calling and following the calling, then everyone around me benefits because I know that we've all come in contact with somebody that genuinely follows their highest being and you and I are inspired by that and we can do it parallel symbiotically share and bounce off of each other and raise the vibration. So actually the smaller self is actually hearing the conversation that emerges and learning and being reminded of. And so every time we're in a conversation, Jason, like whether you say it or I say it, such wonderful reminders that take me through the next day, week, month, uh, because we've created the space through this mutual respect, appreciation, love to remind each other and to remind whoever wants to listen to be in the here and the now and in this essence of endless possibilities. Yeah. This, this magic place we get to be in together. And, And I'm right with you. Every time I do talk to you, it's a, it's like, I took that present-minded bath again like oh yeah remember how cool this all is (laughs) this whole life and let me remind everybody as you hear ben rap on this and you're like you know that's great for him it's all woo and you uh you know easy for him to say um because of something but let me remind you he has seen the blackest side of humanity that humans can, like that stuff in the Congo, we didn't go into that detail. You don't want to know about that detail. That's inconceivably dark and horrible. And you went there to help. Uh, the, the Ukraine situation, the Middle East, 
real nasty things. And so, no. Uh, anyone who said, well, easy for him to say, nope, you don't get that hard pass. You don't get that hall pass. Ben proves it. He goes to the hardest of the hard, the darkest of the dark, the suffering that is not conceivable, and he he does his calling there. Thank God not all of us have to do that. Uh, we can, we can choose to, but what I wanted to kind of cut and paste from Ben today was if he can do it there, we can do it in the office in the in, or against the hard boss or the tough customer or the tough situation and in, in whatever. Because, Ben, I say this because most of my audience is it's business related. It's folks out there kind of wanting to, you know, just improve in effectiveness and well-being in general. Well, this is a big part of it. Following the call might be the most important variable of well-being. And um, so, Ben, I'd like to ask you just two more questions. And that first question is, what do you say to somebody who might tell you, well, easy for you to say, Ben, like you, you got that free bird life. I'm tied down to this job and this. I'm in this marriage. I got six kids. They could say a lot. What would you respond to them? Not that it's you against them, but it's us all. What do you respond to your fellow brother, sister, or whatever that might say that to you? regarding following your call, hearing your call, observing beauty instead of the other. Just let, wrap a little bit on that to the audience that might hear this in a more conventional setting. I love the way that you bridge worlds and uh, can connect through different terminology and different lyrics to different audiences. and. It's a great question. When I'm talking to the United Nations, for example, I use a very different language than when I'm talking to kids that are living on the streets. But from that core, you know, I would say that each of you, each of us, have somewhere inside of us made choices. And when we remember that we made choices to be where we are right now, then we can shift that perspective that sometimes can be easy to fall into of feeling victim of our boss, victim of somebody that mistreated us, victim of road rage. Uh, and the moment that we bring that power back to our personal choice, what do we have control over? We don't have control over how everybody else and everything else interacts and how they choose to project things in our direction. We have choice over where we put our focus. And so if we have a job that doesn't inspire us, we have the six kids and the responsibility. I mean, what a beautiful and a powerful journey that those six children, who knows who and what they choose to be based on how we choose to embody our own calling and how we choose to inspire or discourage the next generation. I definitely am learning every single day. But what I have found multiple times over from something so far out there of hitchhiking on the crossroads without caring which direction I went but trusting that I'd always end up at the exact place at the exact time that I needed to be there and testing it or going to some of the darkest situations on the planet to make sure, at least for me, that all this talk of being able to choose perception was not just for the quote unquote privileged, but genuinely people that were forced into horrible situations physically still chose not to be a victim of the outside telling them what to think, actually chose their perception to hate, to kill, to forgive, to love. Those are choices of our perception, regardless if all of our external rights have been stolen from us physically. So I saw and was inspired by so many incredible human beings around the world that have faced severe torture that is not just for people that are quote unquote privileged. 
is for everyone to choose. Do we want to be a victim or do we want to be participants in this life to manifest one step at a time our dream together with those around us and the universe around us and God that want to conspire to assist our journey to live at the highest frequency possible. Man, yeah. To to joy, let's as Joseph Campbell says, let's joyfully participate. And that takes courage. I mean, you've got to go against the grain. You got to find the others <laughs> and make that tribe bigger. What are you gonna do when you're in the belly of the whale of Joseph, you know, Joseph Campbell's uh story of the the hero, the hero's journey? We all find ourselves in the belly of the wheel. That the hero is not the one that has everything going right all the time. The hero is the one in the belly of the whale and chooses to be heroic. And that's that's that flute or knife. That's the choice. Every second, like right now, if you choose a flute or a knife, when you walk out of this room or hang this podcast up, that will dramatically impact the future fractal situation. And it's in your hands right now. Like you are the future now by flute or knife, gas or water. And it never stops. That's the beauty of it. There's no stuck. We are verbs. Ben is a very unique verb, but he's not a noun. I would never describe Ben as an artist. That's so ridiculously limiting to what you are. You're a creator of a future, and so is every listener who will ever hear this, and so am I. Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, literally, let's do it. That makes me just feel so excited. I we've we've you know we've crawled, we've hung out like six times or seven times or something in person, and every time we go like this, it's like, man, I got, I just can't wait to get to get with Ben and learn from that dude again. Um, and let me ask you, Ben, are you excited about humanity and where it's going? We got AI, we got quantum computing, we got virtual reality, we got so many things to be really excited about or scared about? Are you excited or are you scared? Or what would be your response to that? Where's humanity going? I would say that I'm both. And that all of these human emotions, uh, what people classify as good and bad, are real. And denying the quote-unquote dark side of us and saying that we're only light or saying that we don't have light and we're only dark. Uh, it's actually harmful to ourselves. I mean, if we're saying we're only light, then when we're tired, hungry, exhausted, stressed, then that darkness that we deny that exists are seeping out through our subconscious behavior patterns and people that we care about get hurt. That was never maybe our intention to begin with, but it happens. So is there fear? Yeah. And is there excitement? Yeah. And the way that they actually relate to each other, I don't see them as opposites. I see that when I sense fear or those anxious kind of butterflies coming up, I get excited because every time that I walk through that fear, that's when something that I out beyond my wildest imaginations transpires and, and allows me to see that much more miraculous beauty all around us. I mean, I don't need to throw out a bunch of statistics, but if we just said like, how many wars did the average human being live through it during the medieval time? And where are we at now? There, if we're looking at the patterns, there is really incredible growth and a lot of statistics to be optimistic about. What I love is seeing how people choose to use these advancements to enhance their and others' quality of life. And there's endless possibilities in that journey. So yeah, it's super exciting. And yeah, some heavy stuff and some of this technology probably will be used to harm, but it also can be used to alchemize, transform, learn, and grow and celebrate unity together. Oh, to that, man. Love it. So if, you know, Ben helps 
a lot of people in a lot of parts of the world that need help. Um, if the audience want to support you, Ben, where can they find you? And how would you, what would be your invitation to support you helping those that are in dire need in the ways that you do? Well, if I could reframe that just for one moment, I would say that uh, if we're using the word help, I would say that the people that I'm blessed to come in contact with heroes that would often die without a name on their gravestone to hear these stories to see their their action to feel their presence they're quote-unquote helping me as much as hopefully i'm able to serve as well and so it's not like i'm going to go save people it's well let's symbiotically be human together and uh and let's remind each other how to rise out of that perceptual victim state and be empowered and come up with our own ideas, unlock the genius within people that never is extinguished but can be oppressed by severe adversity and trauma. But just reignite the flame that's in them and they assist in my flame burning brighter as well. And so I think the best way that, quote unquote, you can help me, help others, but really just serve each other is go out today and smile at somebody that you might normally not smile at uh, or, you know, um, go be there for an elderly lady to crossing the street, you know, whatever it is that makes you feel good by serving somebody that could benefit from your attention and your conscious awareness of what they may be struggling through, that feels great. And in some ways it's divinely selfish because we feel really good when we're able to give. And when we feel really good giving, then actually you can give unconditionally rather than with strings to attach it on other people and saying that now they're indebted to you because you gave them something. And if you're vibrating at that beautiful emotional and energetic state it's going to enhance your entire day and everybody else that you come in contact with and therefore our worlds in my day is going to be better and i'm going to have more energy to go serve and more people are serving me and we're going to be symbiotically rising together so yeah go do something that makes you feel good but it's just so much wisdom in your words how the way you gently corrected me from this dualistic question to a, you reframed it to a unity notion of, man, it's not about me going and helping people. It's about me going and symbiotically being human with the other humans. Like I'm a cell, they're a cell, together we are a system, period, end of sentence. It's all in for all life. Enough of this us and them thing even as it relates to helping. It's the, the subtle layers of dualism are so devious and you've got such a grasp of it. And thank you for that correction. And I hope that people really felt the power in you reframing that and the importance of understanding that paradigm. That's where we have to go. There's no, there's no way around that, this whole division thing. And it's so subtle. So thank you so much, Ben. That was awesome. Hey, thank you. You're a gift in my life. And uh, I, I learn just as much, if not far more, from you. So thank you. I always love uh, hearing your perspective and, and being part of your journey. Thank you for welcoming yeah. me. Yeah, man. All right. Well, let's go. Let's go out and do that. Let's all go out today, second by second, and choose the flute, not the knife. All right. So with that, everyone, you take care. Ben, thank you so much. I can't wait till we interact again. And you're coming through Northeast Ohio. You know you're staying at our house, man. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Aho. Let's go. 
This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to our producing director, Bridget Coyne, and audio engineer, Ian Douglas. I'm your host, Jason Henkel, thanking you for tuning in today and inviting you to like and subscribe to this podcast. Also, if you think this may help others in your personal or professional network, please share today's episode. Until next time, I wish you a calm, deliberate, and authentic week ahead. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you, and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.